I love the Farm Bureau family. I mean, we've become friends. You've watched my children grow. Um, and I just love that aspect of community. Um, I think it's really helped us whenever there's been questions about labor or whenever there's been questions about FSA or USDA stuff. Um, I know there's always somebody that I can call and ask them, hey, Brian, can you tell me what's what's going on with labor? And somebody is going to have an answer or they're going to find an answer for me. Welcome to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and today joining me on the podcast are Grant Estrade, who owns local cooling farms with his wife, Kate, over in Bogalusa, Louisiana, and Casey Luckett is also on the podcast. She and her husband, Derek, have a produce farm here just outside of Baton Rouge. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about how Casey and Grant are helping to create community for other farmers just like them in Louisiana Farm Bureau. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. All right, so I'm joined today by Grant Estrade. Out of what, what do you claim, New Orleans, North Shore, Covington? Both. I've, we've got our foot on the South Shore and and the North Shore. Yeah, our farms in Bogalusa, but our retail operations in uh, Metairie, Louisiana. Okay. And Casey Luckett, you are in Pride, Pride, Louisiana, just outside of Baton Rouge. You that's kind of your market, though, right? Baton Rouge, would that be safe to say? Baton Rouge, definitely. Um, Baton Rouge, East Feliciana, West Feliciana, um, EBR, Ascension. Yeah. we're kind of everywhere. Um, so. Y'all are here at the Farm Bureau office today. Y'all are at the board meeting and talking about a new, sounds like it's going to be happening, a new new committee for the Farm Bureau that's going to kind of live as an umbrella committee. I think you called it, Casey. What is the hope for this new committee that that we're getting up and running here at the Farm Bureau? So I am thinking of it as an umbrella committee just for everyone that doesn't feel like they have a place. Um, I know whenever we first started in YFNR, we were the only produce farmers there. Uh, We're the only produce farmers, direct sell farmers. And so we kind of didn't have a place. We kind of made our own place. But the more I talk to people that are in direct sales, they feel like... um, they want a seat at the table and this committee will help with that. They'll, it'll just kind of help, you know, um, put us all at the table. One of the things that makes Farm Bureau so great is the community aspect. You mentioned the family earlier, right. that aspect and, and having people like Rachel Duncan, who has a flower farm and wants to like need some help and some support. And like, how do I, what are my next steps or who else? You mentioned Even Ma- Galen. Martin. Galen Iverstein. I mean, like Galen started out first generation, you know, he didn't know where to go. And I think a lot of the first generation farmers can guide other farmers um, to this is how we did it. And this is what worked for us. So mm-hmm. maybe try it this way or maybe um, don't don't go down this road because that didn't work for us. Right. But Grant, I'm, I know that you have a very... Uh huge market that you're working in, but you probably, I'm assuming at first when you got going, you felt like you were kind of on an island and where do I, where are my next steps? You probably had to look nationwide to find resources on how y'all wanted to get started, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's absolutely what we did. We reached out, we, we literally reached out to some other farmers in other parts of the country who are already doing, you know, farm to table, direct to consumer sales. Um, And we were like, you know, y'all have a good business model. 
you know, we want to learn, you know, basically. And so we did a whole bunch of things um, to make that happen. But we looked around in the, in Louisiana and Mississippi. We we really didn't find that that mentor at all. And so we we found them nationally, which has its own problems because they're they're in different climates. So <laughs> they're not Gulf Coast. And so you have to get what they're saying. We have a weird climate. We have a we have a uh, wet climate to work with. Usually, usually not 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 now. Yeah, not this year. So so yeah. So we had to get what what they were doing and modify it to meet our Gulf Coast climate. And so there's a there's a huge learning curve. you know, for that case, you're talking about the irrigation that you have on y'all's, your, you know, the, the vegetable rows that you have. And it's just like, what happens when that doesn't happen or whatever, or we're used to so much wet, wet weather. How do we don't even know how to behave in a drought, right. you know, like, um, you you're know, you're usually be, trying to get rid of water. Right. Yeah. Right. And people don't know what a burn ban is, you know what I mean? So we're like, what's a burn ban, you know? And so, so anyway, yeah. So we, uh, we had to reach out, um, and you know, when, when Casey calls it like an umbrella committee or an effort, Y'all brought up the cut flowers. That's a great example. I mean, you look at every grocery store has a, a florist in there selling live flowers. The independent brick and mortar florists that are out there, flowers are a huge business uh, internationally and nationally. Uh, all the cut flowers are imported, you know, from uh, mm-hmm. mostly out of the country. Uh, we have got a great climate that can grow, fl- you know, a lot of the uh, industry standard cut flowers, um, and so it's kind of like a no brainer to grow cut flowers here, uh, for sales. I mean, they're, they're a better value for the customer, for those who like cut, cut flowers cause they last longer. They haven't been shipped as far. Same thing as with produce, mm-hmm. the nutrient profile in produce is higher because you know, it's, it's, it's being consumed, um, you know, closer to picking time. It had more time to mature on the plant. So it's like all these things that, that can happen. Um, and it, it's just so many different industries. It's honey, it's cut flowers. I mean, geez, it could be lumber, you know, somebody could set up a, a sawmill at their place and, and direct to consumer, you know, boards. I mean, the reality of that may not happen, but you know, you get the picture. There's just, a, there's just a lot of options out there for folks. I mean, you were listing all these things and, you know, somebody may be very familiar with Farm Bureau says, well, wait, isn't there already a forestry? Isn't there already a nurseryman? Isn't there already a honeybee beekeepers committee? But this one would bring all of those smaller farmers that maybe could dabble in produce and flowers and this and that not have to be on all these committees. They could be on this committee or they can be on this committee as well and be part of that discussion of how can we steer things? What are you facing in produce? What are you facing in, you know, small poultry, you know, pasture raised poultry or something like that. And that can become like a, a, a kind of a catch all, a clearinghouse for all these discussions to kind of be brought into one, uh, I guess, commonly, common mind mindset of how can we get our product to market and i think that's a really cool place to kind of bring everyone together that maybe have small representation in a bunch of different areas but bringing them all to one spot i think it's really cool so with farming um we all know that you have to pivot a lot i mean it's the market is always crazy and so like robert and rachel i mean rachel started the flower the flower farm and it's just taken off. And so I think we're all looking for a pivot with COVID. I think it hit everybody pretty hard and they're kind of looking for where our food sources come from. So I know a lot of people got into selling um, direct to consumer beef. And I think that this committee is going to help the farmer um, give 
all the farmers a little bit of direction and guidance. Um, I think it'll help the consumer as well because we're going to put this out here. Okay, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm selling. Um, even in agro-tourism, there's not a whole lot of representation from Farm Bureau with agro-tourism. And so, hey, um, whenever you have your whenever you have your kids on the weekend or school field trips, they're always looking, you're always looking for something ag-related to go do with them. And I think this committee is going to help with that. Um, just kind of just outreach to everybody and kind of show them this is who we are, this is what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it. Right. So, you mentioned agro-tourism. That's one of the things that you have been very involved in. What is, I guess, the scene in Louisiana with with respect to agritourism? Is there a is there a big scene? Is it? I don't feel like there's really a big scene. I feel like it's kind of scattered through the state, but I feel like um, there is there is a there's a growing scene and I feel like it's a market. Um, everybody's kind of, we're, it, we and you were talking about it earlier, Carl. I mean, like you're in a neighborhood or you're, you're looking for somewhere to go with your child to show him, this is the life that I grew up with. This is what I want to show you how to do. And I think there's a lot of people that are now, um, want to come visit the farm, even mm -hmm. if it's not set up for agro-tourism. I think there's a lot of people that have that passion and want to show and want to learn themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we had- Not just kids? Not just kids, adults too. We have some CSA members who reached out to me. My son, my oldest son, well, my only son, Dalton, um, was in, a, he made it to the track finals, the state championship or whatever. So I didn't get to host them at the farm, but I referred them to my friend who keeps bees and does sugar makes sugar cane and um, we do sugar cane with him and he grows corn. We're fixing to do the corn mill and the grits. This hopefully this weekend we'll see. Um, and so I referred them to him and he showed them about the bees and he taught them so much. The CSA member, they it was a Girl Scout group and they reached out to me after and they were just so amazed. The parents learned, they live in Shenandoah. So they live in the middle of Baton Rouge and they just learned so much from that experience. And it's an experience, but then hopefully it will grow a passion for some of, we're 2%, we're farmers are 2%. We need more farmers. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully it's gonna grow light a passion in these, in these younger, children um, or even adults mm -hmm. because Derek was, it was his midlife crisis, I call <laughs> it, um, pre-midlife crisis whenever we became farmers. And so hopefully that will grow, cultivate some more farmers in mm -hmm. the process. And even if it's an urban ag, or even if I'm getting someone to grow a plant that they buy at Grant's Nursery, um, even if, if I get someone, they do a great job of putting out what you can plant now mm -hmm. and all Seasonal that. Seasonal stuff. Yes. Yeah, seasonal what stuff, month to plant um, what? what plants, what month to plant what. And, and I think the education aspect of it, it really, um, you know, people go to the grocery store and they see all this produce out on the grocery store and they're like, Casey, why don't you have, why don't you have a watermelon in the middle of, um, January. Well, usually you can't grow watermelon in the middle of January because of our climate. So I think that educational aspect of it um, with this committee will also help the consumer as well. Yeah. You talked about the passport that Georgia does. Allie and I have talked about that a lot of how cool that is. And, and like maybe even making a passport book that people can take and like get stamps at each of these farms. Like that's a really cool idea and aspect that we can maybe 
uh, invite farm uh, people to come visit farms. I think that's a really the the, even, the learning is so cool. Even from out of state too. I know um, there's a lot of other Farm Bureau friends from around the U.S. and they have different you know stuff like this as well. But you know my passion is for education and so um, and agriculture and so I love the farm pa- the farm passport. Mm-hmm. I think that we can put it get it out to like 4-H or classrooms, mm-hmm. ag in the classroom, and um, even adults. They're they're enjoying this. Right. Grant, you stole you told a story about Sarah and her water buffalo, which is, you know, it, it perked up a lot of a lot, lot of eyes got wide because they're like, wait, water buffalo in, in Louisiana? I've seen that and it's really cool. But tell about the, I guess, story, the little anecdote that you shared with the board about what you've learned in that friend, Sarah. Yeah. So we, um, it just came up this week. Uh, I've been knowing Sarah for, for a while and she's fantastic and, and, uh, I love what she's doing, but she's brought in water buffalo uh, into her St. Francis farm. And her goal with that was to build up the herd to where she can actually have a dairy. Um, and I, I actually, I felt so stupid asking her the question, but I was like, what, what's the deal with the water buffalo dairy? And she's like, mozzarella, duh. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh yeah. That and was so, the first I'd heard I that did, when you said that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, and, I didn't know that. And so, I didn't know that either. And so it is, uh, you know, like, why would we know that? You know, and so um, we're not we're not in Italy, you know, we, and then so I, I looked it up and and I was like, I Googled, you know, making mozzarella cheese, Italy, water buffalo. And it's just like, yes, that's a standard animal, you know. <laughs> duh. And so I was like, duh. Anyway, um, so. Uh, so, yeah, so I've been I've been chatting with her for, for the past few years. Uh, she's building her herd up. Um, you know, and when you have a small dairy, you need to figure out what to do with the animals that you're not going to, that you're not going to milk. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got the, the, the steers, the males you got to get rid of. You're going to have maybe some heifers you don't want to keep or some cows that maybe just aren't, you know, you know, making a living for you. So you got to get rid of them. Standard and, practice for anyone with a, a cattle herd. That, that's exactly right. And so, um, uh, not only do they produce very good milk for very good dairy or very good cheese, uh, but they're, the the meat is fantastic as well. And so uh, she wanted a direct to consumer, you know, the, 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 the meat. And so she texted me or we're chatting this week and she's like, hey, Grant, can you sell our water buffalo at your store? And I was like, well, have you been able to get it state inspected? And she's like, no, I just got it processed, you know, custom. But I have a let, you know, letter from Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry saying that, hey, like water buffalo doesn't really, this is me summarizing it. Water buffalo isn't on our books. It's like an unofficial animal. It's not regulated by anybody. Uh, Good luck, you know, kind of a thing. (laughs) And so, and I was like, well, that letter, if a USDA inspector comes into our store, which they do, we have state inspectors and USDA inspectors coming in. So if they go into their freezer to check temps and do their job and you see a non-inspected pack of water buffalo meat in there, they're going to tell me to get rid of it like immediately uh, or worse, find me for mm-hmm. having it in the store. And so, um, so, I, so I, anyway, so, so that we were dealing with that this week. Um, and then, so I was like, oh, I need to tell Sarah's story at the, uh, at the presentation this morning. Cause it's such a great point, right? Cause water buffalo, they're not like, you know, they're not like weird, like, you know, monitor lizards that we're looking to process for lizard meat or something, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not like a, they're a bovine, you know, they're a domesticated bovine that is, is used throughout the world. Um, and other states have made it okay to utilize them for, for dairy and, and for beef. Uh, and so, uh, so this shouldn't be a problem. And so it's such a, a small thing 
that with the help of Farm Bureau, I think we can work with Department of Agriculture to get the ball rolling to, mm -hmm. to fix whatever the, you know, the, the policy is or the statute or the, the it might just be a simple protocol change. Uh, so that way, if LDAF changes, says, hey, yes, a state inspected slaughterhouse can live slaughter water buffalo and turn into meat for, you know, for direct retail sales. I mean, that will open up the window for the a processor who wants to get on board to process her water buffalo so she can have her legal sales of, of meat. And so that way she can have the confidence to go ahead and, and um, invest in her dairy. You know, it's not, it's the infrastructure, you know, like local contractors need to come in. She's got to hire staff. Like it's, it's a business. And so mm -hmm. uh, just doing these little, little changes, we're not looking at, you know, move a big ship here or, or do major things. We just want to say, Hey, like we just need to tweak a couple of things here. It can be, make a huge difference in Louisiana. And something like that, like Sarah's probably the only one in Louisiana with some water buffalo. There are some, Maybe a couple more. Uh, there are some other folks that have them, you know, um, but I think she might be the leader as far as wanting to actually do a, a business. Make a with business them. out of it. That's Not right. Just yep. have some pets out in the That's in right. The <laughs> right. Right. And, and there might be an opportunity for, you Growth. know, for some, yeah, for some of our board members or some of our Farm Bureau members to chase that dream too. That might yeah. be something that they always market. wanted. Right. Well, a new market. That, what I was going to say though, is if Sarah's the only one really trying to do this, one one farmer trying to have their voice heard is is not easy. I'm sure y'all have probably experienced this at some point in y'all's careers. Absolutely. But having that Farm Bureau, that loud, strong voice, that unified voice and saying, hey, this doesn't get in the way of any other policy of like any other stances. It just works something else in and, and allows another farmer to make a living doing what they love and bringing food to people. And I think that's a really cool story that you shared and, and a, a great example of how others can see their way into this committee and, and, and see how this can benefit them and see how Farm Bureau can benefit them. Because that's ultimately, I mean, to be honest, I'm in the business of promoting Farm Bureau. Luckily, it also usually lines up with promoting farmers. And I love that part of my job. But that's such a cool aspect that it's not getting in the way of anything else in Farm Bureau. It's just it's bringing more in and an, an entry into, an open door, an open door into the into the organization. I think that's great. Absolutely, and you know the 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 ability for farmers to sell their product now is you know many of us are using just cutting edge you know uh, platforms. You know, so like at our store, people can go to our website, they can fill their shopping cart, and then it's a pre order pickup. You know, so we put the order together. You know, we put their name on it. They've already paid their, you know, their credit card saves on file, whatever. They just walk up and say, hey, I'm Ashley. I'm here to pick up my order. And we hand them a, a bag with their their name on it. And then they get back in their car or they can even call us and say, hey, I got kids in the car. Can you bring it out to me in the parking lot? We'll do that. You know, that's the service that Walmart and, you know, Whole Foods and all these other businesses are doing. Uh, and we and the, the delivery and everything, but the tech, you know, for people just to go on their phone order their local groceries and be able to um, make that such an easy uh, transition for them or easy experience, a convenient experience. Mm -hmm. um, the, the ability for a farmer to sell is that uh, it's easier than it's ever been, you know, so versus like a, say just the farmer's market that just meets on Saturdays from nine to 12 and, Oh, it's like storming, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of challenges with, your non-tech sales, 
Uh, but with today's technology and communication and smartphones and just the ability uh, for the farmer to be connected with the consumer, um, it's it's cut flowers. It's selling your CA, CSA shares. It's selling, you know, ground buffalo meat, you know, for some burgers. You know, it's just like it's all these things. Um, and Farm Bureau has a, just a fantastic opportunity uh, from their perspective. Yeah. Not only to do what is right and to help. Uh, lobby, you know, on behalf of those farmers, but to get that new generation in as members, to be leaders, to be active, mm-hmm. um, and to 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 participate in the entire Farm Bureau family. Right. And I love the networking. Like, I just love, you know, that I could call Grant and say, hey, how did this work for you? Um, I'm having some trouble with this. And can you help me with this? And so I think that support right now, I mean, farming's hard. And so that support and that family aspect or that community family aspect, the Farm Bureau family, we always say, is having that friend to call and say, this isn't working for me. Have you tried something different that does mm-hmm. is is golden. I was going to ask you because you were our Young Farmers and Ranchers chair for a couple of years. You've been involved in Farm Bureau. What would what would I mean, and Grant, I know you're not oblivious to Farm Bureau. What what do y'all see as the benefit of being part of Farm Bureau? I know I've already kind of said having that one unified voice, but what do y'all see is like attractive about being part of Farm Bureau? Well, for me, I mean, I was a first generation. Derek came home, plowed up the backyard. I'm like, what is going on? Um, Mom, I had no, I was a consumer. I I wasn't a farmer. I didn't know a farmer. And so for me, it was just that it was mostly the connection. Um, It was the connection with other moms that are doing this. It was the connection with other farmers bouncing off the ideas of, did this work for you? Is this going to work for me? I love the Farm Bureau family. I mean, we've become friends. You've watched my children grow. um, And I just love that aspect of community. Um, I think it's really helped us whenever there's been questions about labor or whenever there's been questions about FSA or USDA stuff. um, I know there's always somebody that I can call and ask them, hey, Brian, can you tell me what's what's going on with labor? And somebody is going to have an answer or they're going to find an answer for me. I don't feel like I don't feel like a whole lot of industries have that, um, but I feel like it's really important in agriculture because it's it's not just a nine to five job. It's not you know the banking industry. They can call they can call their higher up and get an answer there. But with farming, you know, it might be you might be working till nine ten o'clock at night with the lights on the tractor and something comes up or you have a question and there's always somebody that you can call. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I have not participated in many Farm Bureau things. Um, and my, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, but, but, you know, but I benefited. I mean, being a Farm Bureau member allows me to have Farm Bureau insurance. And so I can call, you know, a Farm Bureau agent and say, hey, I just bought this tractor. I need insurance. And there's like no problem to send me the serial number, take a picture, whatever, you know, the protocol. But, you know, if I call another insurance company or if I had another insurance company and said, hey, I'm putting a hoop house in or a pole barn or this is what I'm doing, they're going to they might think I'm like a little crazy. You know, they're like, we're not insuring that. What are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, obviously the Farm Bureau is there for a reason, right? And to insure farmers. And so um, that's, that's awesome. That's you know, a huge benefit. Yeah. yeah. A huge benefit. Yeah. And, and then it's liability if a cow gets out and hits a car and all that kind of stuff, you know? And so we have that coverage. Um, and so that's been a huge benefit. You know, for us, there's just no question about it. A lot of the first generation farmers don't even know that exists. I mean, almost once a month, I get a phone call being like, hey, Grant, what are you doing for insurance? 
And I'm like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you need to call your call Farm Bureau, you know, kind of a deal. Like they literally have a policy for that. Mm. And so they go, okay, cool. And so, but they didn't know that, you know, they're first generation farmer. They just didn't, they didn't know what they didn't know. Like it's, you know, which is often the case. And so, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge opportunity to, to, for those people to seek out Farm Bureau and time get mm-hmm. that get that help get that community what are the next steps i guess for this committee based on what y'all heard from the board based on what you've already kind of y'all have already probably talked about the next steps what are the next steps for this committee so i think we kind of um are gathering who wants to be a part of it um i know that i've pulled several people um a lot of the ladies at in LWAG, louisiana women in ag i talked to them about it and and asked them if they would have any interest in it a lot of the other board members um and there are there are a lot of interests um there is a lot of interest in the committee and so i think we're going to start off there and see who wants to be a part of it and where that kind of fits in. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly didn't expect them to, to like vote on it right then and there. So that was pretty cool. Um, and so, so yeah, so whatever happens next procedurally, uh, we need to get organized and then we need to let people know that, Hey, this is happening. Um, my, my hope is that we can actually get a real life issue tackled like right away. I mean, just to go back to you know Sarah's issue with uh, the classification of water Buffalo in the state of Louisiana. That would be like a great thing to be able a to nice s- win. Oh get a man, win the yeah, <laughs> like get it, get a real quick early win, get that done, um, and then we can say we can all just get jacked up and pumped up. You know, we're <laughs> like, all right, what's next? Like, you know, and so cut flower might have a a little issue like that, mm-hmm. and so because there are regulations when it comes to cut flowers, and there's you know there's more reg- in Louisiana than anywhere else. That's I right, think. and so. Uh, yeah, so that that's my hope. I'm 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 kind of like a little hyper goal oriented. Um, like I'm I'm not a, um, a fire aim person, but I am just a like aim and fire. Let's do this, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm I'm hoping that there's going to be some traction out I of it. I think we're going to depend on the media department a lot too. <laughs> so get ready. So yeah, I think that you know, like maybe some. Uh, some marketing for the website mm-hmm. or um, just getting the members uh, involved or know what's going on and kind of maybe like a playbook. So like I had said in the meeting, um, whenever we were first starting out, I, I was talking to Stephanie Payne about um, a website and how to do something. And she's like, Farm Bureau really should have some kind of like guidebook here, some kind of like. You're trying and, to give us more work. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to make you work for your money. <laughs> so what we're for. Do y'all have a short list of, of, of folks that are already kind of been a part of the conversation? Do y'all have a, uh, I say a short list, maybe it's a long we, list. Yeah. We, I mean, for speaking for me, we have like a, um, like the subterranean culture of direct to consumer farm to table farmers that we're friends with, um, that uh, many of them are not farm bureau members. And so, um, there's that community there for sure. And so, you know, one thing that I want to do is communicate with them and be like, hey, look, this is what's this is what's going on. It could be like really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and one thing that we didn't mention is the is the is training that we can do too, because the just just going through like um uh you know, like the pitfalls that you talked about, um, the bottlenecks, the challenges, we all have the issues when it comes to like scaling and growing. Um, and I mean, there's no reason why we couldn't put on a really stellar, you know, one day hardcore training here mm-hmm. at this facility 
and say, all right, this is, you know, let's do this. Uh, yeah. so, so Farm Bureau, I think, has a huge education opportunity to offer first generation, especially first generation farmers, right? Because we don't we don't know what we don't know. I yeah. mean, I, you know, everybody's I, figuring it out together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Metairie and, and, and New Orleans, you know, so I'm not like a New York City kid, but I'm like a New Orleans kid. And so, like, I didn't know how to hook up a three point implement to a tractor. I had to ask <laughs> my neighbor, you know, like. And so uh, so there, there, there's a lot of opportunity for everybody. For That's sure. really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Well, guys, I'm excited to kind of follow this through now that now that we've got the green light and we're moving uh, to the next step, whatever that next step looks like. So thank you all for coming on. Thank you all for, for your work that you've done already on this. I know it's been a lot of Zoom calls and conference calls and letters drafting and ideas bouncing around. But y'all are going to be the ones, I mean, y'all and others <laughs> that get in this committee that really steer the direction of this committee and I'm excited to see where it goes and see how it helps farmers and how it brings membership and how it, you know, helps to bolster that market of small farmers, young farmers, first generation farmers, whatever, however it may look. And it's going to be really cool. And I'm sure it'll be some great Twyla stories coming too. Awesome. Look forward to it. Yeah. And thanks Neil and Andy also for taking time to help us with this. They've really um, done a good job of steering us in the right direction. So in all the media department. Well, we're moving to the next step. Board's given the stamp. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you all for joining me and talking about this and look forward to some more stories coming soon. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Casey and Grant for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Also, you heard the shout out there at the end to Neil Melanson, who would have loved to have been on this episode discussing all things small farmers and farm to table, because this has been really a passion project of him. So Neil, thank you for all the work that you've done to help this committee get up and going. If you would like to learn more about Casey or Grant's farm, we have done stories on this week in Louisiana agriculture about each of them, and I will link those in the show notes. The best first step to getting involved in this committee is to go become a member of Louisiana Farm Bureau. I will link that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. We'll see you again right here next week. Mm-hmm.